0: Hello, you've tuned in to the 10th episode in a second series of podcasts in which Australian Communists, all born after World War II, talk about why they joined the Communist Party of Australia, the CPA, their experiences as Communists and what they're up to now. I'm Stephen Ricks, one of those Communists, and I was born in 1957. In this episode, we hear the voices of six communists as they speak about why the CPA voted to dissolve itself over 30 years ago, and not all of them agreed with the decision. Not all the people heard in these podcasts remained members until the party dissolved. We'll hear more about that in subsequent episodes. Each of them has identified a different set of rationales given for the decision. They range from the international political environment. Remember, the Cold War was over, the USSR was fracturing, and the West, the USA in particular, adopted and spread a triumphalist message. The domestic rationales ranged from the small size of the party and the allure of movement politics, to a spread of an anti-collectivist ideology. A special note, and one I should have made much earlier in this series, is that not everyone answered in the same detail to this or any other question during the interviews. The different durations are not, therefore, an editorial decision. Peter Rawlinson refers to falling membership, amongst other political changes, for the dissolution of the Communist Party, but does believe there remains room for a broad social democratic party.
1: Um, well, I think it was um, falling membership, uh, attracting younger people to the party because there were other organisations coming, popping up, which you know sustainability especially and the environment was taking hold um you know where they rebranded their name to the new left party i think and then dissolved because that wasn't working so i think it was um there was other organizations appearing and that were taking uh membership away oh there would there would be a room for a social democratic party which would basically be a rebranded Greens, come uh, broader um, agenda, international affairs and uh, uh, domestic economic problems, um, and they wouldn't just be uh, concentrating ostensibly on the environment. I mean, they they their their manifesto obviously has other things in it, but I think if, they, if it could be rebranded as a social democratic party, um, that certainly could take a big space in uh, Australian politics.
0: Margie Yen refers to declining membership, failure to attract young members and the attraction of alternative political formations as factors explaining the decline of the party it is also interesting to hear Margie's reflections on the demands of party membership and how that might have impacted on recruitment. Well, the
2: membership was going going right down um, and and people were involved in other things. Uh, well, I suppose it wasn't just the party membership; it was mem- membership of unions, and there were more, more, um, well, other other things taking up people's time. And I suppose the party was concerned that it was no longer as as relevant and couldn't couldn't attract younger cohorts to, to join. So it was seeing that things were were going downhill and rather than sort of um just go with the gradual but inevitable decline decided that it was time to just stop. I mean you no know, at one one point after that, the new left party was started up, but it didn't really take off very, very well either. And the Search Foundation, well, a similar reasons. You know, young people didn't join in sufficient numbers. People were doing other things and there wasn't enough you know interest enthusiasm people were probably concentrating or focusing on either their own private concerns or in other social m- movements mm. the cpa had had lost lost relevance for, for people, it, the cohorts it was trying to attract. Not really, not that could really explain it terribly, satisfactorily or comprehensively. Now, maybe people thought, well, here's one thing I'm going to th- throw my energy into, but I don't want a whole overarching you know i don't want to be paying dues and going to sort of all these other other meetings and having to commit to to a huge well a bigger bigger picture framework hmm. probably the time commitment time effort energy, I mean, it was quite quite a deal to to even be a rank and file party member uh, or the, you know, I, I didn't really want to get involved in too many of the, you know, political debates that seemed, you know, some went on for hours and hours and days and days and, yeah, some people... Love that sort of thing, but it's not for not for everyone, and not for most people. You no, know, they're willing to do a bit for for a particular cause, but um, if that's that requires a bigger commitment, then no, I think people have got got other other priorities.
0: Lance Worrell divides the reasons for decline of the party to proximate causes and broader factors. The failure of attempts by European parties to remake themselves obviously affected morale in the CPA and it remained impossible for the party not to be seen in the light of the experience of both the USSR and the PRC.
3: Well, in terms of immediate causes, the resignation of the Victorian branch was the catalyst for larger implosion and they had been driving towards a split for a long while previous, I think. Once that had happened, obviously, there were motives amongst those remaining to do with protection and corralling of assets uh, for whatever future use they might have to a, a new organisation or forum. Completely understandable. Obviously, more broadly, there was our declining membership, but also the Euro-Communist moment in Italy, Spain, France, and elsewhere had simply failed by then. The, disappoint- the, sorry, the disappointment was enormous. Those parties, too, were on their own, on their own roads to their own dissolution in different ways. So the CPA was not unique here. Final point is that no matter how brave the CPA had been in breaking with its former external bosses, the legacy of the Soviet Union, oppression and sclerotic dictatorship, these factors were fatal to us. The paradox is that um, it was a Soviet dictatorship that defeated the darkest, the most dictatorial, uh, genocidal political form of capitalism, that's fascism. It was the Soviet Union that saved democracy in Europe. Uh, But leaving that aside, how on earth would people in the 1980s or 90s find the Soviet or Chinese models attractive? Our views on them were critical, but they had no heft against that overwhelming fact. Socialism was China, was the Soviet Union. They were always the guerrilla in the room. And it's also significant, and Eric Hobsbawm makes this point very strongly, is that when those Eastern European regimes fell, they fell fast and simply went under. They had no uh, support amongst the broad populace.
0: Vanita Seth recalls that the party dissolved because it began to question its own role. Benito lists both international and domestic developments, which contributed to this questioning.
4: Hmm. you know, as I understood it, um, and as I remember it, the party dissolved because it um it began to question its own relevancy. It was, you know, don't forget there was. Um 1989, um the Soviet Union was collapsing. Um communism had a bad rap. Fukuyama was going around saying, you know, we're witnessing the end of history. Um new movements were emerging. Um, environmental activism. In fact, in my I think it was my last year of high school, um that Peter Garrett, MP um, um the NDP. Yeah was established um there was you know Mabo um had had happened I think um, um there there was more Aboriginal activism at least you know there, there was more of a public face um so I think that the party felt like that that Communist Party tag um was uh, actually a disadvantage. And that um, the best way for the left um, to go forward was to create some sort of umbrella group um that wasn't um tagged with the the Communist Party label and all its associations, which were seen as negative. Um, and to set up an umbrella group which would allow the environmental movement, which would allow a feminist movement, which would allow um the other climate movements, environmental movements, etc., um, to come under this one umbrella. So that's how I remember it, that there was, and, you know, this was happening in a lot of parts of the world. I think in the US the party dissolved. I think in Italy there were debates about dissolving the party. I mean, it was a tumultuous time. Um, and I think the collapse of the Soviet Union um contributed to that, you know. So that's how I
0: remember it. Don Sutherland traces the decline of the party to the period of the Hawke Labour government and the disputes between Labourism and doctrinaire communism in the left. As a result, the CPA membership lost its way. Amongst other matters internal to the party... Don refers to the lack of willingness to engage in party activity which contributed to the party's decline. Don also refers to the antagonism inherent in the ALP. Well,
5: I I think the answer to that question for me starts um in uh, starts in the period when uh, I went from uh, working in the factory and I went into union education mm. and during during particularly during the and that was particularly during the period of the Hawke Labor government and of course the struggles around the meaning of the accord
1: mm.
5: and um uh, I thought the CPA decision not uh, about adopting an interventionist rather than an oppositional approach to that was by and large correct, Mm. but not very well applied. Uh, And, uh, you know, and I've heard various stories from people in other states besides South Australia about the problems about how the party managed all the discussions. Um, And, you know, uh, not very well at times. I don't know you know i've got to be fair and say i don't know enough about other states to be sure about this but i think in south australia we attempted to have a really uh, working class education approach to understanding the whole thing and in order to advocate really an into the the militant interventionist approach and it's so in those years the big thematic issue was the battle between in the in the union in the labor movement, not just the union movement, the battle between laborism, small L Laborism without the U in it, and uh communism, small C stroke um, uh stroke socialism, with the doctrinaire advocates of communism there skirting around the edges like yappy dogs, you know. So uh over those years um it was also simultaneously the right the strengthening of identity politics mm-hmm. and i don't think those of us enough people in the cpa really worked out the interaction between class and identity and that weakened that and the inadequacies and in how we dealt with the interventionist approach to dealing with the labor government meant that laborism became more and more the dominant ideology in the union movement see what i'd been learning was that there was a constant battle and sometimes just a healthy tension between small c communism and laborism mm. and that small c communism influenced enough of the labourists that they understood the importance of struggle, Uh, that gradually dissipated Mm. during uh, the 1980s, and the CPA membership as a whole lost its way around those things of not working out um, uh, the really basic basics of class and identity. see in in Marxism one of the most important ideas not the only the four or five really important ideas one of the most important ideas is that the purpose of struggle and socialist change was to enable among other things collective the collective enables the development of the unique personality that each person has and that's individuality we never what what the ruling class was promoting was individualism
1: mm.
5: and we never sorted out how class activity combinations of people created individual individuality that is individual potentiality emerging and so mix that up with not very well being able to develop a militant interventionist approach based on class those two things meant the cpa lost i think the membership lost confidence in itself and that translated uh in my direct experiences and talking to a lot of people who sort of wanted, didn't want the CPA to dissolve, but talking to a lot of them, they didn't want to do the hard work that kept a Communist Party going. Mm. They just wanted to continue. Now, so I think there was a loss of, you know, um, clarity about what was what it actually meant to maintain an independent Communist Party. We were understanding fully what was going on in terms of uh, the Soviet Union and the Eastern Bloc. Mm-hmm. We were understanding that their whole approach was not sustainable, and so that was all falling apart. But in Australia, the other thing that was going on is that the a, a big part of the Labor Party left wanted rid of the CP and its activists, and so they were they were pursuing the removal. Or neutralizing of uh, the CPA perspective in the Union movement in particular. Uh, the idea of taking trying to build a powerful uh, left without the word communist was always in the, I mean, looking back, it's easy to say it looking back, but it was always going to run into the problem that, you know, well, if you do that, why not just you shouldn't be in the Labour Party left and make it more communist, more socialist. You know? And that's what they wanted, although they didn't want the communist part. They didn't want to change the society. They wanted to adapt it a bit.
0: Richard Walsham points to a continuous, if sometimes interrupted, decline in party membership. His own view was that the party could not continue as it was, particularly as the word communist continued to hold us back and as richard says people were leaving anyway
6: from about the uh, 1980 on uh, it became pretty clear that the cpa had been in decline we we had a little a few little bursts where you know we'd get a, a bit of a boost in membership i think when we when we split with the soviet union we of course lost a lot of uh, a lot of the members but we also um we also gained a num- whole number of mm. of members who uh thought that well you know I can now join the CPA because uh it was um it had shed uh this the Stalinism that had uh, permeated it and its uh, uncritical uh view of the Soviet Union so uh I think from the I c- c- certainly, adopted a view that we couldn't go on as we as we had been. We were in decline uh, it was impossible to because we had the name communist, we were always going to be associated with the Soviet Union uh, and China and a lot of very bad practices and uh, and policies that we didn't agree with and it didn't matter what we did uh, or said. Um, we were in the in the public's eye. We were going to be associated with that, and it wasn't uh, going. To, and it was not a. It wasn't. It wasn't any longer a viable project. We'd run out of time. Our time had passed, uh, and that we needed to. We needed to um, uh, to do something dramatic like change our name i actually supported changing our name at one stage in some of the debates in the cpa um but i we just couldn't carry on as we as we had been it just wasn't a uh, wasn't a viable proposition so we had to start so we started debates in the party about our future and about how to renew the left in in australia um and um yeah, so we started those debates, and I think we we hoped to be able to act together as a collective rather than because what was happening was that people were just leaving. People were leaving the CPO, making individual decisions anyway. So we either did it collectively or we did it individually. I had no uh, – I wasn't going to leave because at that stage I'd I'd invested too much in it. To just walk out of it, and uh, I didn't support, for example, the Victoria, a number of the Victorians who, who took a decision down there to, to leave um, because they they felt because and they actually went over and joined the Labor Party, and I didn't, I wasn't ready for that sort of uh, a change. I'm not, I'm not being, I'm not so critical of them in hindsight as I was at the time, uh, but. At that time, I thought we should all act collectively together and do something, not necessarily joining the Labor Party. I think at that stage, our thinking was we needed a new party. That meant dissolving the CPA.
0: You've been listening to the voices of six Australian communists, all born after World War II, talk about the decision by the CPA to dissolve itself. We'll hear more about this from another six communists in the next episode. This has been episode 10 of a second podcast series for which 23 people were interviewed between October 2021 and September 2022. Helen Randerson had the idea for interviewing post-war communists after the release of Comrades, a book made up of short bios of communists. That book was released in 2020, the centenary of the formation of the Communist Party. You can obtain that book from bookstores or the Search Foundation. Dr Mick Patton helped with the podcast technicals. Thanks for listening and see you next time.